Well, good morning. I want to welcome each and every one of you this morning here in person, those online joining us this morning. It is so good to come together as the body of Christ. I welcome each and every one of you that may be brand new for the first time, visiting from out of town, been here a few times, been here forever, and we're glad that each and every one of you are here to gather and to honor God as the body of Christ. And so we're going through a series called Follow the Servant through the Gospel of Mark. And so if you want to turn over to Mark chapter 3, we're going to make it through chapter 3 this morning. And as you turn there, I just want to encourage you, had a great week as the body of Christ. Uh, on Tuesday we played some games, Thursday we finished out our men's softball team tournament. And uh, I just want to praise the Lord, we took second place, amen, all right. I'm not going to tell you that they bumped us down a league in competition, but we still took second. Okay, all right, it was still second place, uh, but uh, men's prayer breakfast yesterday as well as some cleanup that took place. Thank you for all those who jumped in to help out with that. There's a couple weddings this past week, and it's just, it's neat. Uh, appreciate uh, all those who are here from the wedding, out of town, visiting. It's amazing how God works in the body of Christ, how it's not just one group of people meeting, but it's the family of God that it stretches around uh, our country and around the world. Uh, it's neat. To, this is the second time, at least recently, that uh, a central Church of Christ individual got married to a Paradise Valley Christian Church individual, and so that's pretty awesome to see that, and that, those are my two worlds right now, 16 years at Central and now here at PV, and so it's awesome to, to get to be a part of that and see that take place and when it comes to family, this message this morning is entitled, When Your Family Deters Your Discipleship. When it kind of gets in the way, and, and I don't know if you've ever experienced this, where you've been really, really excited about something in your life, so excited you're just bubbling and joyful, and you want to tell as many people as possible. And so you go and you tell friends, and you tell family members, and you might tell family members that are just not as quite as excited as you might be, to the point where you're like, well, maybe I shouldn't be quite as excited. And they kind of deter your excitement when it comes to those different things. And I remember when we had our first baby, uh, we were, when we were getting ready to have our first baby, we, we picked out a name, and we had this name that was, we thought, you know, our first baby, for whatever reason, we thought that she was going to be a he. And so we thought, all right, well, his name is going to be Bodie, all right? And we're like, man, that, we let, that's a strong name. And, and Autumn had heard it, and I liked it. And so we're like, oh, yeah, his name's going to be Bodie. And so we tell our family members that this new baby that we don't really know what the gender is, but his name is going to be Bodie. And they're like, oh, that's, that's interesting. You know, I haven't heard that one before. In fact, uh, uh, some of the family members said, it kind of almost sounds like a clown name, right? You know, it's like Bodie the Clown. I'm like, no, it's not Bodie the Clown, you know? And, and so it kind of, you know, you kind of get discouraged a little bit. And then the first baby was a girl, so we didn't have to worry about it. We, we named her Bailey. We didn't name her Bodie. Uh, and so we named her Bailey. And then the next baby, the, she was a, a girl, and so we named her Brinley. And then finally the third baby came along, and he's a boy. Well, guess what? By the time the third baby came along, Bodie sounded pretty good as far as the name because we kept plugging that name, and then they kind of came around. And, and so there's times in our lives where our family members, they kind of maybe can deter us from really 
some important things in our life. And one of the things that we see taking place in this passage of Scripture this morning from Mark chapter 3, verses 31 through 35, is Jesus' family deterring his discipleship. And so if you're willing and able this morning, will you stand with me as we turn to Mark chapter 3, starting verse 31. If you have my Bible, it's page 835. So if you need that reference, you can go there. Starting in verse 31, then Jesus' mother and brothers arrived. Standing outside, they sent someone in to call him. A crowd was sitting around him, and they told him, Your mother and brothers are outside looking for you. Who are my mother and my brothers? he asked. Then he looked at those seated in a circle around him and said, Here are my mother and my brothers. Whoever does God's will is my brother and sister and mother. Will you pray with me this morning? God, we are humbled to be able to gather in your presence and your greatness. God, we honor you above everything else in our lives. Father, you are the creator. You are holy. You are righteous. You are just. Father, you deserve every aspect of our lives, not just our Sunday morning time, but each and every day that we would serve you faithfully. So God, speak to our hearts. May our minds and hearts be open to your word. And again, may this just be a joyful time as we come together and spend time hearing from you. And it's in the name of Jesus I pray. Amen. You may be seated. As we come together as a body of believers this morning, my guess is that for many of you, the one thing that really helped you grow in your understanding and maturity in God is probably maybe the same thing that some of you this morning has been a hindrance, something that has caused you a struggle or has maybe been a handicap or has has maybe been a roadblock in your life. And that same thing is maybe your families. Your, your families. For some of you, you've grown up in a family that has always loved the Lord, being a part of the church and the things of God, and, and spending time with the body of Christ has always been a vital, important part of your life. It's been number one priority. And now, I'm not saying that your families are perfect by no means, because we all have those holiday times where we have those arguments around the Thanksgiving table. I know that some of you are shaking your head, smiling, okay? There, there's going to be some of those times. But for the most part, again, God has always been the number one most important priority in your family unit. And then there's others of you this morning that feel like when it comes to your family, maybe you're a little behind on the God front. That because of your family, maybe in the past or maybe even your present, that you are doing your very best to kind of play catch up. That in a lot of ways, your family has deterred your discipleship. And as we read this account this morning, we see again from Mark chapter 3, verse 20, if you back up a few verses, that Jesus' ministry has really taken off. His family is so concerned for him that they come here in verse chapter 3, verse 21, where it says, When his family heard about this, they went to take charge of him, for they said, He is out of his mind. They, they thought he was getting a little too fanatical, right? And I don't know if you've ever been too fanatical for your family members, 
But Jesus was a little too fanatical for his. They, they came to take control of him because he was going crazy. He was, he's out of his mind, and, and they're seeing what's taking place. There's a lot of pressure on him, a lot of people going around him. You know, he's in the verses that we read here even today where we read uh, they came in verse 31. They're standing outside. And then actually, sorry, going back to the verses of 20, verse 20, where there's so many people came in that they were not even able to eat. So they're concerned about his physical well-being. They're concerned about his mental, maybe some safety issues. And then they didn't really believe that he was the Messiah. In fact, we see that in John chapter 7, verse 5, that tells us that, that they didn't really believe that he was the Messiah. And that they, they assumed that he had lost his mind. And so now, now here in verse 31, it's at this point that Mary, accompanied by sons that she bore with Joseph, which would be Jesus' half-brothers, they came to the outer courtyard of the house here in Capernaum. And undoubtedly, Mary probably had some motherly anxiety Maybe some of those mothers this past week had some anxiety for their children, and they're concerned about their welfare. Jesus' welfare, she's, she's concerned that maybe he's in some danger when it comes to the scribes and the Pharisees, and when it comes to this fickle crowd that seems to be gathering around him. And in the midst of this overflowing crowd, they come and they send a message in to Jesus that they desire to speak to him. In hearing this, Jesus asks, who are my mother and my brothers? <sighs> what did Jesus mean? What, what, is, what was he trying to get across here? And that's what I want to begin with is, is what Jesus meant concerning the family. And then I want to move on to how this should impact your family. And then how should this impact us as a church? And what did Jesus mean concerning the family? And if you're like me, I, I read those, that sentence and I'm thinking, whoa, that seems a little rude, doesn't it? You know, I realize that all of us, we, we kind of get annoyed with our parents. Sorry, mom and dad, if you're watching online. Uh, we get annoyed with our mom and dad at times where they kind of get on our nerves. And, you know, I was thinking about we were, we were floating the river and uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm in a canoe, a raft or kayak, that's what it's called, uh, with Autumn and, and then Bodie, of course, and the other teenage uh, junior high boys keep jumping out and Autumn's all, you guys get back in your cacks. You guys, this, this is unsafe, you know. I'm like, good thing Bodhi brought his mom along, right? You know, there's, there's these times where we just kind of get annoyed with our mom and dad. But as, we, as I'm reading this, I'm thinking, Jesus, come on. Man, th this is, seems a little harsh. But I want, what I need you to realize from this passage and from others is that Jesus is not diminishing the importance of family ties. That's not what he's getting at. So before you call or text a family member that you've been kind of annoyed with lately and want to say something rude to them, Jesus is not saying that you get to do that, okay? You don't get to be rude to your family members. He's not giving you that permission. In fact, Jesus, on the flip side of that, was always teaching his followers to not disassociate or disregard or dishonor their family members. Even when his family members were, were thinking that he was crazy, even when his family members wanted him to stop what he was doing, to, to get away from the crowds, to, to kind of take control of him. In the midst of that, Jesus, he, he was saying, no, you don't get to disassociate with your family. You don't get to dishonor them. You don't get to disregard them. 
And I think about these words disassociate, meaning to cut off all interaction with them. Or disregard, meaning ignoring them, or I'm not going to take care of their needs. Or dishonor, meaning to fail to show honor or respect. You see, Jesus did not say that we would do, that we have the freedom to do any of those things when it comes to our family. In fact, as a child, Jesus submitted to the parental, his parental authorities. In Luke chapter 2, verse 51, then he, talking about Jesus, went down to Nazareth with them, talking about his parents, and was obedient to them. But his mother treasured all these things in her heart. And as he grew, Jesus taught true respect for mother and father. Mark chapter 7, verse 10 through 13. For Moses said, honor your father and mother. And anyone who curses his father or mother must be put to death. But you say that if a man says to his father and mother, whatever help you might otherwise have received from me is Corban, which is a gift devoted to God, then you no longer let him do anything for his father or mother. Thus, you nullify the word of God by your tradition that you have handed that you have handed down, and you do many things like that. And we're going to study that later on in depth as we move through the book of Mark. But basically, Jesus is saying, you aren't following the God-given command to take care or respect your father and mother because... You created this little tradition that kind of skirts around that. And we even see Jesus caring for his mother at the end of his life. And you think about this. As Jesus is on the cross with the sin of humanity on his shoulders and all the physical pain that he was going through, he takes care of his mom. We read in John chapter 19, verse 26 and 27. When Jesus saw his mother there and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to his mother, dear woman, here is your son. And to the disciple, here is your mother. For that time, from that time on, this disciple took took her into his home. And so if Jesus isn't saying that we get to just write off our families from these verses, well, what does it mean when he asks, who are my mother and my brothers? And I think what he's trying to get across here is this idea of true family is not just blood relationship. True family is not just blood relationship. And I look around this room and there's your example. True family is not just blood relationship, and you think about a house, it's not a home based off of the wood or the bricks or the mortar, that that doesn't make it a home, and neither do genes, traits, or lineage make a family, and as I read these verses, I imagine a house that's crowded, so crowded that nobody can really get in and out, and it's kind of like shoulder to shoulder, and you're kind of squeezing in. It reminds me of going to, to Elitch's in Denver where you're standing in line for like half hour, 45 minutes to get on Mind Eraser, and you're wanting to get on so bad, it's just taking forever. And all of a sudden, as you're kind of in line, a big crowd of line, there's people there like, excuse me, pardon me, can, can, I, get, can I get through here? And they're trying to, and I'm like... He's just, you're like, man, I sure wish I wasn't a Christian right now, you know. And I was like, you know, elbow them, you know, get back type of thing. But a lot of times, like, they're like, can I get through because my, my sister's up there. 
or my mom's up there, or my dad's up there, and it's just this really crowded situation, and, and instead of trying to, to make it through the crowd themselves, here's Mary, the mother of Jesus, and, and his brothers. They send someone in to call him out. Now, if a random person could somehow make it through the crowd to get a message to Jesus, don't you think that maybe Mary, the mother of Jesus, probably could have been like, coming through, mother on, you know, in in presence type of thing, you know. And you would think she could have easily gotten through, but instead they stay outside of this crowded house. And, And so I wonder, could it possibly be that Jesus' family decides to stay outside on purpose? They want Jesus to come out to them, right? You, you tell Jesus that we need to talk to him, and he needs to come on out. He needs to stop doing what he's doing, the ministry that he's being involved with, because he's going crazy. We need to come out here and have you know a little powwow together, okay? We need to talk with him. And so once again, it seems like Jesus' response is very shocking on a personal level. But what I want you to see here is the big picture of what's taking place in this Jewish culture at this time. Because I think what Jesus is trying to address is really what's going on in the culture of the Jews. See, they were all connected. They felt their connection with God was all based on their heritage their ethnicity, their family connections, their nationality. See, they're bragging about, you know, their heritage and saying that we are the chosen people of God. And yet in John chapter 8, they're wanting to kill the Son of God. John 8, verse 37 through 39, it says, I, Jesus, talking about Jesus, know you are Abraham's descendants, yet you are ready to kill me. Because you have no room for my word. I'm telling you what I have seen in the Father's presence. And you do what you have heard from your father. Abraham is our father, they answered. If you were Abraham's children, said Jesus, then you would do the things Abraham did. See, Jesus is saying, my family that I'm building does not have one ethnicity. My family that I'm building is not all from just one country or lineage. My family is so diverse, it's going to go beyond your imagination. And so Jesus is saying, just because they are connected to me physically doesn't mean that they can stop me from doing what God wants me to do spiritually. And the sad reality of this life is that there are many times that take place in this world that your spiritual family will be closer than your physical family. Your spiritual family will be closer than your physical family. And, and I know that's hard to hear for some of you this morning, and, and my heart really breaks for you as you have to go through some of that in this life, but that's the truth of the broken world that we live in. Your spiritual family will be closer than your physical family at times. And we, we have all heard that, You know, blood is thicker than water, right? Well, I recently heard a preacher say that Jesus' blood is thicker than our blood that is thicker than water. Meaning that when Jesus went to the cross for our sins, that should bond us 
together greater than any other sort of bond that we would ever have here on this earth, than any other physical bond. When Jesus says, here are my mother and my brothers, whoever does God's will is my brother and sister and mother, Jesus wants us to realize that a spiritual relationship with God through Christ is so much thicker than blood. Matthew 12, verse 49 is the Matthew account of what's taking place here. And it says, pointing to his disciples, pointing to his disciples, he said, here are my mother and my brothers. See, the disciples, they they had accepted Christ as Lord and Master, that they had made Jesus top priority in their life, that their heart and spirit was united with God the Father through Jesus. They had established a relationship that was stronger, closer, and more powerful than any blood relationship. See, the spiritual relationship that we have with Jesus is more caring, more loving, more meaningful, more fulfilling, more secure than any other relationship. And with that relationship, it comes commitment. And we discussed this a little last week, this idea of of commitment. It really requires something from us, more than just a Sunday morning attendance. In fact, John chapter 14, verse 23 says, Jesus replied, if anyone loves me, which I think we'd all, yep, that's us, okay, he will obey my teaching. Not just listen to it. I just hope that we might someday work on that. But we would obey his teaching. My father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. And a real hard passage for a lot of us at times is Luke chapter 14, verse 26 through 27. If anyone comes to me, seeking up Jesus, and does not hate his father and mother, his wife and children, his brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. And anyone who does not carry his cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. And there's a lot in there, but basically what Jesus is saying, I have to be so much more of a priority in your life than anyone else to the point where you love me, it almost looks like you hate everybody else. A true disciple of Jesus, our relationship with God has to trump every other relationship that we have. And if it doesn't, then we cannot be his disciples, it says. Pretty harsh, right? Well, guess what? It wasn't me that said that, okay? All right, you can just go right here. All right, read these verses, Luke 14, 26 and 27. It was Jesus that said that, all right? And so in light of that truth, that we have to really go all in with Jesus, being willing to obey, as verse 35 again here in Mark 3 says, whoever does God's will, like does it, like obeys his will, is my brother and sister and mother. And so how should this impact our family? How should this impact our home? The truth is that some of you may have to deal with family members that are never going to get it. They're just going to shut you out when it comes to Jesus. They don't want to hear anything about your Jesus. They don't want to try to to listen to anything you might have to say. And you're going to have to deal with that. 
In John 1, verse 11 says, he, speaking about Jesus, came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Do you hear that? If you have family members that are rejecting everything when it comes to your relationship with God, Jesus dealt with it as well. He, he came to his family, his people, his ethnicity, and they didn't get it. And so instead, in verse 12 of John chapter 1, it says, Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. And that's where that whole adoption thing comes in, that we're adopted into the family of God. The family that Jesus was building was a family that went outside of physical bloodlines and included those willing to be washed by the blood of Jesus. And if you think you are a loving family member, by putting other family members in front of God or Jesus in your life, man, I would encourage you to reevaluate because I think you're wrong. If you put other family members in the place of God, I think you're doing it wrong. See, they are not God. And if you depend on them for the love and the comfort and the strength and the support that only God can offer you, then you're going to be let down time and time and time again. And I think the, the, one of the hardest relationships where that comes into play is, is in, in marriage at times. Because at times when we put our spouse, or maybe at times where we put our children, or we put our parents, or we put whoever in that number one position in our life, instead of God, we have lives that are in disarray, and we wonder why. See, no benefit comes to anyone when we put our spouse in that position of God, bowing down to their every want or demand. And parents, no one benefits when you put your kids in the position of God, giving in to their every whim and desire. And it's hard. I have eight of them. And honestly, it's like, I'm just going to go do the dishes myself because if I ask so-and-so, they're going to complain and whine. But no, i got to keep being the parent. I'm the parent. And they're not God in my life. And, and when we do that, when we put other people in our family in the number one position, we move God out of that control in our life and we allow them to have control. And again, married couples, can I tell you something? Your spouse will benefit from taking the second place in your life. Your spouse will benefit from them taking second position in your life. And here's why. When you're willing to put Jesus first and to live the way that Jesus calls you to live and love the way that Jesus calls you to love, man, that's when life is sweet. Jacob the other night hit a ball playing softball and it flew. I was like, nice hit. And he said, it hit the sweet spot. I didn't even hardly have to do anything. And when you turn your life over to God and put God in the sweet spot of your life, whoo, man, things get better. Man, things go so much smoother. When we're obedient to the will of God in our lives, it allows us to love our spiritual family as well. To love our physical family the way God has called us to love them 
and to love our spiritual family. And when our relationship with God is the most important relationship in our lives, it, it impacts not only, again, our, our individual families, but our church family. In verse 34, Jesus is looking around the room at his disciples, and he's saying, this is my family. This is my family. Those of you who are willing to be obedient to my Father's will, you are my family. That's what Jesus is saying to you even today. If you're willing to be obedient to his Father, then you get to be a part of the family. The old Olive Garden slogan, I'm sure some of you could quote it, when you're here, you're family. Come on, did we fall asleep here? When you're here, you're family. Yeah, I know some of you have eaten at Olive Garden, right? That's their old slogan. They moved on to something else. But I thought about that slogan, and, and as a church, it shouldn't be just when you're here, you're family, but when you leave this place, you're family. When you go outside these church walls, you're family. When you get together on Monday to lend somebody in the church a hand, or maybe you play softball together on Tuesday, or meet at the church for a meal on Wednesday, or you're part of a small group on Thursday, or maybe you support each other's children on a Friday night at a, at a, at a sporting event, or maybe you, you do some manual labor together on Saturday morning, and then you get together Saturday night for a wedding. You know, that's what it means to be the body of Christ, Amen. To be family each and every day, we're, we are willing to be obedient to God's will in our lives in order that we could be the family that God has called us to be each and every single day of the week. And no matter what goes on in this world, no matter what comes against us, man, we should have each other's back, amen? We should depend on one another and to build one another up and, and not to, to have backbiting or any of that kind of stuff take place. If you're here this morning and you're thinking, well... It doesn't seem like much of a family to me, you know. I don't know. I don't, it, just, it doesn't seem like that. And I'm just going to say, in my 18 years of doing ministry, a lot of people have told me that they're going to stop going to church, being a part of a body, because they didn't feel connected, and no one talked to them. And I'd say, well, when do you show up on Sunday morning for services? Well, about eight minutes late. Okay, well, uh, when do you usually leave after services? Well, as soon as the prayer is over, I take off out the door to get out of the parking lot first so I can be at the first one of the restaurant, right? And I'm thinking, okay, so you come late and you leave early and somehow the fact that you're not connected with the body and no one talks to you is the church's fault? And they're like, yep, that's right. And I'm like, whoa, okay, all right. We might have some things to work on. But the truth is sometimes it's other people that have the issue, but sometimes it is the church. Are we being the body of Christ that God has called us to be. Because I think if we aren't doing what God has called us to be or to do, then we got to look at ourselves. And there's often times where my kids argue and they're like, well, so-and-so did this and, and they, didn't, they didn't act like this or they, they did this. And, and I, think, I say, well, can you control them? Well, no. Well, who can you control? Myself. That's the truth in the church, too. You're not going to be able to control what other people do and how they interact. But guess who you can control? You can control you through the Holy Spirit's power. Are you being obedient to God's will in your life? 
Are you getting involved by volunteering to, to do a ministry that other people are not willing to do? Are we all individually choosing to be obedient to God's will in our individual lives? Because I think when we are willing to do that, we will be a church that is family. So as the praise team comes this morning, the question I want to leave you with is, are you part of the family of God that is obedient to the will of God? And maybe this morning... You need to be obedient in a way where you say, I got to go all in with you, God. I got to surrender my life over to you. I need to be obedient to your word by being immersed into Christ, to clothe myself with Christ, to die to my old self, to be raised in newness of life. And maybe you just need to talk with someone about that. Maybe it's not today that you need to be baptized, but maybe you need to, to reach out and say, hey, could I study with you? Because I would love to study with you. But maybe today is the day where you need to be obedient to God's will when it comes to that. And maybe today you need to be obedient to saying, hey, I've been kind of coming, but I really need to connect with a, a body. I need to surrender myself over to God and His will, and I want to get plugged into a church body in order that I can do ministry better. And if that's you this morning, man, we'd love for you to come to share that with us. If you just need someone to pray with, we'd encourage you to come. We had a couple people this first service. Just come and ask for prayer. If you need prayer this morning, we'd encourage you to come. Will you stand with us as we sing our song of invitation?